writer, director, and shoulder-length terror. Ah, okay. <laughs> Hi, I'm Gabby Dunn. I'm a writer, bicon, bisexual icon, and I love bananas. Oh my God, I didn't say wink. Wink, I love yeah, bananas. Yeah, forgot wink. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I, I recently, not that you asked, but I, I chopped my hair off again. Um, and now I'm, I'm rocking the shoulder length. I love it. It's so freeing, and it also just feels more like me in some weird way. Really? Because you always have kind of mostly had very long hair. I know. That's why it's so interesting. I don't know if I'm the only person who's ever, like, looked at their 65-year-old mom and been like, I want to look exactly like her. <laughs> I was like, I love her haircut. I must have it for myself. Yeah. I mean, your mom has always had, like, short hair, right? Like, that's been her hairstyle your whole life. Yeah, but now it's like longer than it used to. It used to be like like really short. Ah. Um, but I don't know. I just I think that maybe I feel so different from who I was like in my 20s that oh. like having the long hair felt like I was like holding on to something I wasn't anymore <gasps> and I was like wow. holding on to these like these like patriarchal ideas of beauty and wow. femininity and all this stuff and now I'm like fuck it, I have this short hair and I love it. Yeah. I mean I'm growing my hair out very long. Um, oh, we're in different parts of our journey. I know. I it's I find it easier to deal with when it's long. I can still put my hair up, though. If I couldn't, then oh, that yeah? would be more annoying. Anyway, this is Just Between Us, a variety show filled with heartfelt advice, ridiculous games, and brutal honesty. So I have a podcast coming out called Apocalypse Untreated. It's with uh, Audible Originals, and it's about five teenagers who are in a mental uh, health rehab facility, and they uh, experience the end of the world, and they're dealing with not just that, but the end of their prescriptions. Um, and it's, a, it's something that I wanted to write that is a love letter to... Uh, ending disability stigma and it's for men it's it's uh hoping to destigmatize a lot of mental illnesses or erase some myths about mental illnesses and I wrote it because I have bipolar disorder and I just really wanted to write a genre um show with uh someone with bipolar disorder so I've just seen a lot of incorrect um portrayals of bipolar disorder specifically and so I very much wanted to contribute to media with my own experiences that um, may be a little bit less like, hey, bipolar people are murderers. Um, so yeah, so that comes out September 24th, or it did come out already on September 24th. So please check it out. It's amazing. And um, I'm very proud of you. Thank you. And also, in addition to being excited for you, your other show, we have a great episode of this show for you right now. We're going to be asking some tough questions to former Bachelor contestant and podcaster Becca Martinez. And later we'll be discussing OnlyFans, uh, what it is and uh, <sighs> why celebrities using it is somewhat controversial. Yeah. But first, hit it. International question. International question. International question. How? Seattle. And I'm sorry if I if I mispronounced your name. I apologize. <laughs> so the subject is white roommate question mark. Oh, <laughs> very, I love that. Very enticing. 
Hey, Allison and Gabby. I've been watching and listening to you since I was in ninth grade, and I'm now a freshman in college. Both of you have really helped me grow into my own in terms of my mental health and sexuality, super by since day one. Mm -hmm. I will always be grateful for all the times I could lean on you guys throughout high school and see you as my online mentors. I was wondering if you had any advice in terms of getting along with your roommate. Even though it's not the safest, I'm moving into my college dorm because I cannot function as a student in my family home. I barely made it through senior year with remote learning and want to have my own space. I didn't choose a roommate because I didn't really know anyone who was going to be at my university. So I was assigned to one. And even though my roommate has been super sweet, she is a rich white girl who lives in a white neighborhood and only posts with white friends on her Instagram. I can tell she's excited to move in, and I am too, but I've never lived with someone so dot, 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 white. My daily life as an indigenous Mexican is going to be super different from her in many ways. For instance, I plan on setting up a shrine for my family's home country, Saint. For some context, I was born and raised in Seattle. My roommate also grew up here, but my parents were born and raised in Mexico. I grew up with a strong immigrant community. My roommate is from a white neighborhood. I'm sure she'll be respectful of my culture. It's more about the transition we will go through together and how to best navigate that on my end. Hope you guys are staying safe. By the way, as a longtime viewer, Allison's engagement felt like the best real life oh arc of all God. time. Oh I'm happy God. for you. That was so sweet. Thank you. <laughs> so I felt a little conflicted about picking this question because we are both white. But I also felt like it's an important topic and deserves some discussion. Yeah, especially when you go to college and you meet people who are very different. You finally are like around. A lot of times for, I would think specifically for white kids, they haven't been around a lot of people if they're coming from a specific background. They haven't been uh, around a lot of people who are different. But I also don't know if you should assume that because, I mean, you both grew up in Seattle and maybe... I mean, I don't know. I think you are right to look into her and question some stuff. You seem to have done your research. I guess, like, again, it's sort of like this burden of feeling like, am I going to have to explain what this shrine is? Am I going to have to, like, explain, you know, like, are we going to, like, meet halfway or is it going to be me having to, like explain my culture and and like have her coming in expecting yeah. hers to be the norm, you know? And so I totally right. absolutely understand all of that. Yeah. Um, I guess the only thing that I can say is give her the opportunity to potentially surprise you. Right. Yeah. In that, you know, I feel like people your age are so much hipper and more with it. <laughs> um than a lot of other generations have been. And a lot of times it's like, yes, you have all white friends, but that might just be because that's the school her parents put her in. Um, Yeah. And not like a conscious choice. And so now that maybe that she's getting to college, her um, friend group will expand and potentially be more diverse and more integrated. I mean, I feel so uncomfortable all the time. I must think about it at least once a day that all of my close friends are white. And it's been interesting because I'm like, well, what do I do about that? Because it feels weird for me to like go out of my way to befriend someone who isn't white because I'm like, am I, you you know, like I I don't know what to do. And I think all the time about my wedding and how it's like going to be white and like what and like how I care so much about social justice. And that's not at all what I envision my life or wanted my life to be. But that's what it is. And like, what do I do about that? And and. 
do do I do anything about that? Because then is that like fetishizing? Like, I just don't know. <laughs> well, I think it has to start with the places that you I mean, if you're in high school going into college, I understand that you might not have access to things. But as an adult, it has to do with the communities that you put yourself in or the hobbies that you choose or the like ways in which you go about the world. I mean, I think there is something not necessarily picking one black person and making them your best friend, but like, are you volunteering for like social justice, racial justice communities where you might meet different people? Are you going to like friends plays that you might consider to be like something that is outside of your purview, like a African centered play or a a play or like a, a Chinese like dance performance or something like I feel like there are ways to get yourself involved in these other communities in a way mm-hmm. that then creates other friend groups. And school has been really cool because school is like so many different people from so many different backgrounds and stuff. It's right. just, you know, it's hard to like form like full friendships with people, especially like over Zoom. Yeah. And I definitely like know a lot of people from different backgrounds and people of color and black people and everything. But it's like for whatever reason, in terms of like hang out individually, close friend, you know, like and, and mm-hmm. it's really made me like examine like I don't think any of it was intentional. But it is like this, you know, and so honestly, your roommate might be feeling uncomfortable in her own whiteness and like she might like be so excited to like get to live with you and like hang out with you and like expand her worldview. And so I don't know, it is especially in this time where it's so important to like be aware of race and Mm -hmm. fight against racism and be so vocally anti-racist and then like then the examination of your own life. I don't know. Like, I'm scared to even be talking about this on the podcast, but it's also just like a reality yeah. of, of my current life. But also, I I, I want to say that I am friends with Tamika. <laughs> I don't want Tamika to feel like I'm not friends with her. I just mean that, like, we don't, like, go out to lunch and have, like, three-hour lunches, just the two of us. You yeah, know yeah, I mean? yeah. I'm just saying... I'd love to if you want to, Tamika. But, no. <laughs> um, but when Tamika became our producer, I invited her to things. Like, I think there are ways... To and this is not about Tamika, but I, I think Actually, like Tamika, can you, Tamika join in? Will you join us for this, Tamika? Yeah, give me one second. I'm going to get into the other room where the audio is a little better. Oh, okay. Thank you. Uh, so I feel like I've been in this situation, uh, moving around different parts of the country in college, and um, the advice I would have is. You're going to need patience. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, patience. exactly. And also expect imperfection and sort of like missteps in the dialogue. Like I've had people ask if they can touch my hair, just things that people are curious about and they haven't had the exposure to know that what they're asking or saying or, you know, wanting from you is inappropriate because like someone saying something offensive can be coming from a bad place or could be coming from a place of just not knowing any better. And while it's uncomfortable to be in the position to have to teach people, and sometimes those don't end up being actual friendships. Like, I don't want to be someone's teacher. Um, Over time, I had to develop more um, empathy Mm. um, so that I could give someone the opportunity to learn and to not make the same mistakes again when they're around Mm -hmm. someone that looks different from them. 
Well, also, she's not the default, the white woman. Like, if you want to put up a shrine to your Mexican ancestors, like, you're allowed to do that just like she's allowed to put up a poster of One Direction. Like, you're, she making her comfortable is not the default. Like, yeah. she has to understand your stuff, too. It's a shared space. I'm not sure if this listener is worried about the shrine or um, feeling like it's not her, their space to put up the shrine. But yeah. it sounds like maybe this person is more anxious of having to explain something mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. like the energy it takes to like, to kind of just explain yourself mm -hmm. kind of, it's like, it's just, it gets to be exhausting. And I think that maybe they're just thinking about the energy it's going to have to take for this to be normalized in, in their space. I also think that maybe there is some like um, mythology to like your freshman year roommate. And I that, know. Like, I didn't get along person, with mine. Like, yeah, mine terrorized me. <laughs> she was like a, not a good person. Yeah. Um, and so I think that maybe if you kind of go into it more like, okay, this is like just a person I was randomly assigned to and like be hopeful that mm -hmm. there will be a connection there. Mm -hmm. But if there's not, knowing that like as long as the two of you can respect each other and like respect each other's spaces and not have people mm -hmm. over at hours when someone is studying mm -hmm. and not, you know, like – one person monopolize all of the space. Like mm -hmm. you guys don't need to be best friends. Obviously it's so much easier when you go to college. If like the first person you see becomes your best friend. Yeah. But like being okay with like it going in a different direction. And if you feel like this is not somebody who respects you or respects your space, you can always change roommates, which I think people feel like they maybe can't, but you can mm -hmm. always go and talk to your school about it and see what can be done. I do think that it is like beneficial to everyone to have friends from all different backgrounds. And, mm -hmm. you know, if she wants to come to some kind of like prayer thing you're doing, if that's allowed, you know, that would be cool to bring her or if you have like a fam favorite restaurant that you want to bring her to, I mean, you're not obligated to do any of these things. You're not obligated to teach anybody or whatever. But I just I, I think like as a white person being open to new experiences and also uh, being open to listening and also uh, like putting yourself in spaces where you're able to make friends who are different is is a choice. Totally. And I also think, you know, this doesn't just apply to this situation, but just like trying not to make assumptions about people until you meet them. And like, yeah. once you meet them, absolutely, she could be just the way that you're afraid that she's going to be. <laughs> but like, yeah. you know, don't don't put that stress on yourself of of worrying about something before it's happened. Yeah, um, because then then it's just fucking up your internal life and like making just this going to college is scary enough. Yeah. So just try to like be calm going into it. Let her reveal herself to yeah. you. Um, and like Tamika said, I'm sure she will make mistakes. I make mistakes all the time. But if if you're able to, I think, you know, Tamika's approach is, is really beautiful and helpful mm -hmm. and can be a, a cool goal to aspire to. Mm -hmm. Also want to say that know or expect that you will make other friends and totally. have other connections on campus. It sounds like they don't know anyone. This, this listener doesn't know anyone yet. So that connection with the roommate probably seems really important. And it's definitely going to give you more, a more sense of home 
I guess, in your dorm if you guys are close. Mm-hmm. But if you're not, that's okay. You'll still find you'll find your own space on campus and your own people to confide in and make you feel safe and comfortable. And there's also so many roommates who live really well together but are not close, mm-hmm. which I know might feel kind of like foreign if you have never had a roommate, but it's really <laughs> possible well, especially to like... in college, you're sharing a room, which I don't yeah, know why so they make you do so that. it's so intimate, but oh. like I think there is like a way where like maybe you are right that you don't have a lot in common with this girl, but I think you can still have your space be a place of peace and feel safe and like it be shared even if you're not like going to out with her every night. Yeah. Yeah, you will make other friends. We've been thinking about this all in this assumption that people are going to go to class. Ah! (laughs) Oh, my God, you're right. It's just them in the room together. (laughs) Oh, my God, you're right. You're right. Oh, my God. Yeah, when... Wow, when did you write this question? Before COVID? No, no, she said she's going even though, you know, because she can't learn at home. Oh, my God. Um, So that's even more stressful. So I totally get it. Um, You know, again... I think know that you don't know this person, so have an open mind, but also know that if it is a problematic situation, there are resources. And if there's suites, you could potentially switch. You can, you know, there's some options. So don't feel like, oh my God, I have to live with this person no matter what. Hopefully there'll be options if it comes to that. But also, man, you really, I guess you really are locked in with COVID. Terrifying. Don't end end on that I'm so glad I'm not in college and that's the end of the segment. Oh my God. Uh, I I hope that Tamika helped you during this question. Exactly. (laughs) If you want to submit your international questions, it's it's just between us pod at gmail.com. That's just between us pod at gmail.com. Up next, we've got an exciting interview with our highly esteemed guest, Becca Martinez. Stay tuned. Just between us. Welcome back to Just Between Us. It's time for the juiciest, most scandalous, controversial segment known to all of podcasting. Tough questions. This week on the show, we have podcaster and former Bachelor contestant Becca Martinez. Thank you for joining us. Of course. I'm so happy to be here. So uh, as everyone knows, I'm obsessed with Bachelor Nation (laughs) and I'm also obsessed with you. So you were on the show in 2018 for Ari season and you were really kind of a standout a, a standout but also an original contestant i think oh not thank just you. you were yeah i mean not just because you were younger which everyone loved to bring up um yeah but also even just in that you had short hair <laughs> oh yeah can you believe that that was like the first time in 22 seasons that anyone had hair above their shoulders like i know it's kind of edgy but it can't be that edgy that just blew my mind But that's like why it was so awesome, because as we'll get into, Bachelor is very conservative. And then you Mm -hmm. came in and you didn't fit that mold. So can you kind of talk a little bit about what that was like and if you even intended to do that or it just happened? Yeah, I mean, I was obsessed with The Bachelor. I loved watching it. You can ask anyone that knows me. (laughs) I was watching it for years before I first started watching. Shout out to Ali Sadowski's season. So anyway. I've been watching for years and I actually always used to tell like my boyfriends, I'd be like, Oh, next time I'm single, like when we break up, I'm going to go on the bachelor. And I'd always say that, of course you have to be uh, 21 to go on the show just because of drinking and stuff, I guess. So anyway, I got in a, 
I had a pretty bad breakup summer of 2017. And then I heard that there was an open casting. I lived in LA and I heard there was an open casting in Orange County. And if you'll mm-hmm. remember, everyone thought that Peter was going to be the bachelor that season. So I was right. a, oh my God, I was a huge Peter fan. I was obsessed with him. Who so, was <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, he's going to be the bachelor. I, I have to audition. In fact, I remember when I went to the open casting, I was really hungover and I just kept telling myself as I was getting ready, I was like, you're doing this for Peter. You're doing this for Peter. So I went (laughs) to the audition and then the rest is history. And I definitely kind of knew, I think that I might be a little different from other people on the show. You know, just having watched, it was, I mean, always lots of amazing women, but just maybe women that didn't have the same sort of style or even just like lifestyle as me. A lot of like Mm -hmm. beautiful wavy haired blondes with, you know, their mm-hmm. makeup and outfits all perfect and on point all the time. And I was just like, okay, that's not 100% me, but I think I have something to offer. And, and I just thought it would be the experience of a lifetime. And it definitely was. So I think I was kind of aware that it would be different. And I was also, I also knew there had never been a girl with short hair in particular. So I was hoping to kind of mm-hmm. break that mold. I remember one article that I really loved where you talked about the clothes for The Bachelor and getting all the clothes you needed to get and how actually expensive it is to go on the show. Can you talk a bit about that? Because I think people watching don't know. Oh, totally. I mean, how many people just have one cocktail dress in their closet, much less like 10 and formal gowns and all that? You see all these people with these crazy gorgeous outfits on the show and they don't provide you with any of that they don't provide you with hair and makeup they don't provide you with any sort of wardrobe so literally you get a packing list and it's like bring a selection of formal gowns and like cocktail dresses and they don't give you any details on where you're going to go so they're basically like just bring clothing for any possible type of weather like you may be in the snow and you may be in the bahamas so just prepare for whatever. And they tell you to only bring two suitcases and any more suitcases you have to pay for when you go on flights. So that was absolutely nuts. I didn't have any like formal wear at all. So luckily living in LA, I had connections with friends who had, um, who had like, what do they call it? Basically studios where they have a bunch of samples, like PR, that kind of thing. Yeah. So basically I just went, and picked out a bunch of gowns and stuff that I was able to borrow. And then whatever I wasn't able to borrow from those sort of like PR fashion places, I just like got stuff from Nordstrom Rack and kept the tags on and returned <laughs> some of it when I got back. So that was that was definitely crazy. I mean, that's kind of just one example of how exclusionary it is, right? Because oh, people who can't afford that can't do the show. Also, who can take two months off of work? Like that was crazy. Yeah. I, had to, I had to quit my job to go on the show. And um, where, that was nuts. Where were you working? I was a nanny at the time. And so that was definitely one of those jobs. Some of the girls on the show, like their offices, like allowed them to take eight weeks of leave. And obviously being a nanny, it's not like, they, I mean, they don't really have any other <laughs> option. They have to hire someone else. So, and you also don't get yeah. paid to be on the show at all. No per diem. No, nothing. So you're taking two months mm. off of work, maybe even losing your job to go on the show. And uh, and then you still have to pay rent and bills and whatever else is going on at home while not having that income for two months. So it's it's definitely a little bit stressful. What made you decide to, to risk that? Oh, I was just like, 
how often do you get this chance to go on this huge reality show? And I just, I, I thought it was going to be an amazing experience and it was, and it was 100% worth it. I would definitely do it all over again. You also had a lot of um, controversy surrounding you after the show. Because, oh my God, yeah. Um, <laughs> so that was like such a controversial season in that Ari picked a different Becca yes. and then broke up with her on camera so that yep. he could get engaged to and marry his runner-up. And you kind of spoke out against that. Can you kind of say what, what you did and, and oh, why yeah. you felt compelled to, to share? I mean, yeah. definitely thinking back on it, some of it's a little cringy. I'm like, oh, my God, did I really have to go that hard? And some of the shit I said was just, like, just downright mean. Like, I remember I, I was saying, like, Ari's going to cheat on Lauren, like, within six months of them getting together. Mm-hmm. It just, it was, there was stuff like that. I was like, okay, why did I need to go that hard? That was totally uncalled for and just like I don't know don't know why I would say that but I felt really defensive because Becca was one the other Becca was one of my really good friends on the show and you know I had been talking on the phone with her all the time after she got engaged to Ari and you know she was over the moon and then just to see how like at first when I first heard about it I was like oh that's sad but you know these kind of things do happen but then actually seeing the breakup, um, mm-hmm. that just was so disappointing. It was like the way that he handled everything just felt, well, I mean, they said it was unedited. I guess he says now that it totally was edited. So who knows what the case is with that. But what we saw on television just made him look like such an asshole. And I felt so bad for her. I felt bad for Becca, as did everyone else. And so basically I just, just, on any outlet that was interviewing me or whatever, I was basically like, fuck Ari. Uh, and, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and yeah, so I mean, I felt really defensive of my friend and I, it was funny because a lot of people after were like, Oh, she's over it. She's on the bachelorette now. Like, why can't you be over it too? And what I wanted to say was like, guys, of course she has to like act like she's over it. She's about to go on this mm-hmm. new journey to try to find, mm-hmm you know, a new fiance, but that's something that sticks with you a long time. Like it's fairly traumatizing to be broken up with in that way, much less on national television with with millions of people watching. So yeah, I just felt really like defensive and protective of her. And it was really difficult to watch after, after all of that. So. And also it's not like you had been a public figure for that long. No. Do you feel like there was an adjustment in like, oh, now when I say something, it's all across the news? (laughs) Yes. In fact, it was something that took me like over a year to learn. Like I sort of thought that when I would go on podcasts or interviews, naively, I sort of figured that only a handful of people were going to listen to it. I don't know why I really thought that. And then, yeah, I would see very, um, very provocative headlines blasted all over the place on like E! News and Access and whatever, being like Becca Martinez says blah 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 and it was like oh my god I had no idea how to deal with that and no one teaches you how to deal with all the attention either because like you say one thing Mm -hmm. and everyone loves it and thinks you're hilarious and then you know you're like okay this is fun and then you say another thing and suddenly everyone wants to come for your head and it's just like no one teaches you how to navigate that kind of thing you just get thrown in the midst of it and you are also very young so I feel like 
when I was 21, I don't even know what I would have said in that situation. <laughs> oh, yeah. I did say stupid things. I mean, so, but what's also interesting uh, about you, besides obviously the short hair that made people like, I think people could read that there was like a more liberal perspective coming mm. off of you or... I mean, you've spoken up about certain things that I think like other people in Bachelor Nation wouldn't speak up about. And you came into it, I think, more of a liberal than the other people on the show. What makes you want to say something about a situation or what makes you want to speak up when you see something? Well, I mean, there's obviously things that I'm we all have different things that we're passionate about. Right. And Mm -hmm. for me, I just have always felt like I well, one, I've always tried to be really true to myself, just like on social media and all that sort of thing. So I was just like, look, I feel this way, so I'm going to say it. And, you know, whatever happens, happens. Um, But I've always felt a responsibility to one, be honest about how I feel. And two, I feel like there's a responsibility to speak up and say something when no one else is, if there's like, you Mm -hmm. know, injustice going on or something that people need to know about. And Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I just I just felt like if I have that many people listening and watching, I should talk about things that matter, not just about like beauty and hair products. And that kind of came to a head recently with BLM and Blue Lives Matter. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about what happened there? You know, what? it's something that I really go back and forth about now because I'm like, all right sometimes there are things that need to be said. And then other times it's like, who am I speaking to? Am I speaking to people that might listen and might, you know, gain a new perspective and change their opinion? Or am I just like Mm -hmm. shouting into the void, just having people who already agree with me, support me, you know, it's like, if that's the case, what Mm -hmm. am I really accomplishing? But um, basically, Mm -hmm. you know, in the wake of all of these horrible things that are going on, all these injustices, I was seeing, a lot of people, of course, focus on Blue Lives Matter. And one thing that just mm-hmm. bothers me about Blue Lives Matter is, like, there's no such thing as, just a little side note, there's, like, no such thing as a blue life. And people who are cops choose that profession and can leave that profession. This is the whole point of my post. But Black people can't choose to, like, leave their skin color behind or, you know, change into a different kind of person that looks like people don't have that kind of choice, but they do have that Mm -hmm. choice in their profession. So anyway, I was getting frustrated with all of that and it kind of really peaked because funny enough, Becca's fiance at the time, I guess they're, they're split now. Um, he basically, you know, he had had a lot of problematic behavior in the past with particularly social media. You know, he said he changed yada, yada, yada. He was noticeably silent with everything after the protest and after the murder of George Floyd and he posted, you know, a black square and whatever. And then he decided to basically write a whole dissertation about this, basically saying blue lives matter. And I commented something underneath Mm -hmm. it and he went berserk and was like, I don't know, said on a story that I wasn't invited over their house anymore. I was like, okay, buddy, whatever. But, um, (laughs) all right. Were you guys still like socially hanging out at that point? I mean, we would talk on the phone every like six months or so. That was just weird. I was like, I cannot imagine if, oh my God, if my boyfriend said that to one of my friends, I don't care what kind of beef they have on the internet. If he straight up said for me, like you're not invited over, oof, I would Mm -hmm. not be happy about that. But anyway, so... (laughs) I posted, 
I did a post on my feed and it was saying all the stuff that I just said about like how blue lives are not a thing. And the second photo and the little slides was a blue lives matter flag um, in the toilet or the thin blue line flag or whatever. It was specifically the one with the American flag and the, and the blue line, which is usually aligned with blue lives matter and people Mm -hmm. lost their shit over that. To you? Oh yeah. I lost, um, 15,000 followers over that post, which, Oh my God. is like, actually, I've never had any kind of fallout like that in the past. It was actually kind of shocking. And, um, and yeah, people were getting, they were just going absolutely crazy under that post freaking out. And what blew my mind is that people were getting so passionate and so angry about this symbolic flag in the toilet and they didn't have mm-hmm. any of the same kind of anger or fervor over literally watching a video of a black man being murdered by a cop. So mm-hmm. yeah, that was, that was, that was pretty crazy. Do you feel like with bachelor nation that most people don't talk politics? Like, cause I've always been so curious with like how Becca ended up with Garrett. Like, yeah. do, is that, are those conversations not happening? I know they're not showing them on air, but you would think that at least behind the scenes, as you're getting to know someone and potentially falling in love with someone, you'd be talking about your political you values. Think, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> and maybe, I don't know, like I have to give Becca credit and say like, maybe she assumed that production was going to only put people on her season who aligned with her values since she made them very clear, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's a possibility, but, but yeah, I mean, we talked, I, we definitely talked about religion. I remember on Ari season and that was really interesting, but I think it just depends on the person. And I think maybe that people have learned moving forward that it is important that, to make sure someone's on the same page. <laughs> but you were also a rebel in that so many people, especially when you're like a breakout star the way you were, they then kind of like ride the bachelor train, right? You do paradise, you do all the things and you were invited to do paradise and then you declined uh, because you'd met your current boyfriend. What was that thought process? Was that a tough decision? Oh my God, it was a super tough decision. In fact, when we started dating in February of that year, it was sort of like, oh, we're just going to casually date and then I'm going to go on paradise because... Mm-hmm. you know, it would be a good opportunity. And it's, I mean, it is a, anybody who says it's not a career move is like lying to themselves or everyone else, because you're going to sometimes double your followers, which means that you're going to make more money. Like it definitely is something that has to do with mm-hmm. like your career and how you're going to make money in the future. Um, but, but yeah, it, as we kept seeing each other, it was definitely getting more serious and, and it was really, really hard. And then I, I just sort of was, I was honestly sort of scared going into paradise because I was like, wow, I looked, I mean, I thought they made me look great on Ari season. And I was just like, what if that doesn't happen? Like, what if for some reason, like people hate me on paradise or, you know, I get into mm-hmm. some draw. I don't know. I was kind of scared about all of that. And ultimately I just decided that it was more important for me to be with the person that I loved right where I was then go to try something else or try dating someone else or try to like boost my career. I was just like, you know what? I've, I've been so blessed coming off of the show with like the people who follow me and care about me right now as it is. Like, I don't really need 
any more exposure and I don't need that experience of trying to date other people because I'm content right where I am. And then it turns out I was pregnant when we would have been filming this way. So <laughs> that had sort of gone away too. a fascinating storyline. <laughs> oh my God. Can you imagine? They're like, she's throwing up. Is she hung over? She didn't drink the night before. Oh my God. <laughs> no, she just was pregnant. Oh my God. You know, you mentioned having to quit your job and having to spend all this money to go on the show. I can see the cycle of like, I have to get enough followers that I can get sponsorships and brand deals and all that. Oh my God. Yeah. I just you definitely sort of get consumed with the numbers and, you know, are, are you still relevant and are people still going to care about mm-hmm. you? Because it's like, it is an adrenaline rush when you have the attention of so many people in the country. And then all of a sudden that just starts to fade out and then you don't really know what to do with yourself anymore. I mean, it's really difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was it like sort of adapting back to, to normal life and even just like, you know, to then have to, when you're giving birth and being oh, yeah. a mom and like, obviously it's not the same as like when you're just like posting hot Instagram photos. Oh my God, time. totally. <laughs> How do you kind of like break that addiction to the attention? I mean, thankfully the the one benefit of living in LA is that everyone either doesn't give a shit or pretends like they don't give a shit. Like everyone acts like they're too cool, you know, to like recognize who you are when you're out in public. It's kind of funny because like no one would <laughs> ever really say anything. And then, me and like Kendall would be at a bar. And then when people get drunk, then they start coming up to you being like, you're on the bachelor. Oh my God. Maybe people in LA (laughs) don't want to admit that they want that they watch the bachelor. I don't know, but it was weird when I'd be at the airport or I would travel other places and people would just come up and just start chatting. And sometimes people will like follow you to your gate and just like want to talk to the bachelor with Mm. you. And that is like, Oh my God, that can be so overwhelming. And um, especially being pregnant, I I wanted to hide it for a really long time. I wanted to keep it something private and to myself. So I would kind of panic. I don't think I announced until I was like 20 weeks pregnant, like in September. And I would kind of panic when I was going into public spaces and I felt like my, you know, baby bump was going to show or whatever. That was really nerve wracking and really stressful and, and not enjoyable. And I, I thought I was going to love the attention of like being, quote, famous in public. And I actually mm-hmm. ended up really hating it. It was really, um, it really felt like a violation of privacy and it was just, yeah, it was, it was a very odd thing to deal with. And I definitely did not like it as much as I thought I would. Or that there's like expectations or that people yep. think that you're a character, a character on TV when you're just actually a regular person. Totally. Like they think they know you because it's it's beamed into their homes and it's such yep. a beloved franchise. And yeah. also you were different, right? Like, I think that's the thing that mm. stuck out to most people is that you were different. And yeah. uh, and especially to me and every queer woman across Los Angeles, we were like, what's her deal? Yeah. <laughs> What's the deal with this pixie girl? <laughs> I mean, another part of being on a show like that is that the whole time people are watching you and judging you, right? They're, you're like, oh, yeah. why would they say that? Why did they do this? Whatever. And then that kind of follows you after the show. And then there you are, you know, in your early 20s, you get pregnant. You're, yeah. You haven't been with your boyfriend that long. I'm sure so many people had opinions about that. How did yeah. you handle hearing all of that? Well, I mean, this is one thing you learn about, like, being in the spotlight is everyone's always going to have something to say about anything. It's the most annoying thing. Mm -hmm. Like, you could literally say, like, 
oh, the grass is green. And people will be like, well, grass isn't always green because if you don't water your lawn, sometimes then it's yellow <laughs> or brown. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, mm-hmm. these people are so fucking annoying. But, um, you know, <laughs> I think I was expecting that. Like I was really bracing myself hard to get a lot of kickbacks. And I was actually really wonderfully surprised at how much support I got and how many people were... And so many people came forward with their stories being like, you know, me and my boyfriend got pregnant two months into our relationship and now we've been together like 15 years. And, and I was actually really overwhelmed with how many people instead like shared love and shared their experiences. And, um, it was really beautiful. Mm -hmm. What makes you decide to post, um, like the birth videos or like honest things about being a mom when I think so much of mom social media is picture perfect i mean after the whole thing that we were just talking about with the unexpected pregnancy and the unexpected support i realized that whenever i post that kind of stuff so many people are like yes me too and it honestly makes me Mm -hmm. feel really seen and i imagine like okay if when i post this stuff and people respond that makes me feel seen imagine how people must feel you know seeing someone who's in like the quote-unquote spotlight uh like how, how must that make them feel? And, and when I see other people post that kind of stuff, it makes me feel less alone and it makes me feel seen. And so I think that's really important for me. What is the, what's the plan? Like, you know, like now that that bachelor is behind and you're building your own empire and everything, like what, what do you want your future to to look like? Mm. You know, I'm trying to figure that out right now because we're still in the greater LA area. We're in Long Beach. And I don't know. I like in terms of where we live, I kind of see us going somewhere else in the future, but I don't know where. I mean, it's been kind of scary being here in the LA area with everything that's happened this year. And so maybe I want to be somewhere a little more rural to raise our kids. But, you know, the podcast, Chatty Broads, is thriving. I love having a place where. I get to just rant and talk with one of my best friends, you know, for like four hours a week total. It's awesome. I'm sure you guys understand <laughs> what that feels like. <laughs> and yeah. uh, my partner is a huge fan of the podcast, by the way. No way! Oh, that's awesome. Love it. Huge fan. I hear it around the the house as they're <laughs> cooking and doing stuff. <laughs> oh, man, that makes me so happy. So, yeah, there's that. And then I'm also actually developing an eco-conscious clothing line right now that should be releasing sometime in the next couple months. That's been crazy with COVID and all that. It's supposed to be earlier this year. That's called The Good Alma. And everything is 100% organic cotton. So, I mean, I'm just really having fun right now. Like, just figuring out what is exciting for me, what's fun for me. And uh, yeah, seeing what kind of things I can create that people will love and respond to. I think it's exciting that everybody's sort of on the journey with you. Versus I, you being yeah. like, and this is where I am and this, and I'm not telling you how I got here, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. Cause I'm always so cute. I'm always so curious about how people end up, you know, with the projects that they end up in. And to see that you didn't give your life to it, that you were able to say, you know, I don't need to become part of this machine. I can step away and go my own path. I found to be very empowering. Well, that's really flattering. That's like the best thing that I could hear on my end. <laughs> so I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, would you like to play a game show? I would love to play a game show. 
Amazing. Okay. Okay. So this is called Hypotheticals. You and Gabby are my contestants. I'm the game show master. So I'm Chris Harrison. Fantastic. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm going to give you a series of hypothetical situations and you decide what you would do in those situations or your answer, but you can ask like any clarifying questions you have. Oh, this sounds fun. Okay. All right. So our first game is America's favorite game show. Would you stay with this cheater? Okay. While engaged to your partner of two Stop years. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> oh okay. God. While engaged to your partner of two years, your partner suddenly has a change of heart and oh decides God. they would prefer to be with slash marry their high school sweetheart. Oh, my oh God. God. Two weeks later, they come back to you claiming they made a big mistake and now they know for sure you are the one for them. What? So wait, they already with left this you? Cheater? In this hypothetical situation, they they left you and what? They like went and hooked up with this high school lover and then they decided they made a mistake? Yes, mm-hmm. yes after two weeks. They've come back two weeks later. But they also promise to do all of your laundry for the year if, if you take them back. Mm. Would, would you stay with this cheater? Mm. No, I got to go. Mm. I think I have to go. I mean, why why did they want to come back? What was wrong with the, the ex? So they had been fantasizing about their high school sweetheart their entire adult life. Okay. Um, and Healthy. building it up in their head. And uh, as you guys were getting closer to the wedding, they were like, oh, my God, what if I meant to be with my high school sweetheart the way I thought for so many years? But then when they went and they had the reality of the high school sweetheart, they realized that, that there's nothing actually there and that you're the one for them. This happened to me, but I but I didn't oh, get back fuck. together with him. I just turned him down. <laughs> but this is a thing that happened. It was wild. Um, oh, but I did not get God. back together with him for two weeks. Uh, I just said, you don't know me anymore, buddy. And you're you're inventing a version of me. So I I think. Um, but it I wasn't the same because he didn't leave his fiance. Wait, OK, wait, you were the high school. You. you were the high school sweetheart. I was the high school girlfriend. Yeah. Oh, shit. He didn't break up with the fiance. He just checked in to see if I would be interested in him <gasps> breaking up with the fiance. <gasps> Which is worse. And, <laughs> and I was like, I'm good. And he was like, okay, had to check. And then got married. Oh, my. Okay. Everything's great. Well, um, hmm. okay. The situation is a little bit better because in this hypothetical, the person let their current partner, a.k.a. me, know. So I have a little more respect for that instead of them going behind yeah. the back and and like messaging the ex or whatever. I don't know. I kind of relate to this hypothetical because I feel like I always have the tendency to like over romanticize past relationships. And in my head, that person was like the perfect match for me and yada, 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 even though that's obviously not the case because we broke up. So I don't know. I kind of sympathize with, with this person, with my, with my partner. I, I, I can kind of understand it. And so like, I maybe would get back together with them. I would not. Well, who's right? Who's right? It turns out that you go on to, well, Becca goes on to have a very happy 30 year marriage. Yeah. That's the 30 year at the 30 year mark. He leaves you for his college sweetheart. Wow. Come on. And you kind of should have seen that coming. God damn but 30 it. Good years. Pretty oh, 30 good years. Okay. okay. <laughs> I mean, that's still pretty successful. So whatever. I'm satisfied with that. <laughs> Okay, our next game. Are you a terrible parent? Your child, five, has a terrible case of diarrhea that is hilariously adorable because they keep shouting, my butt is on fire. You end up filming this and put it on your YouTube channel. 
it gets half a billion views and earns you a ton of money. But for the rest of your child's life, people shout, my butt is on fire when they recognize them. Are you a terrible parent? They also develop a phobia of pooping. And what is the money going towards? Desmo, that was my question. Uh, Like your life. Okay, my life? But they should get all of it. No, they should get all of it. Like a college fund. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you pay for their college. No, it should be their money, not my money. Um, so put a trust fund, like a $5 million trust fund for this kid. That's what I think. Look, you ruined their life. You may as well give them all the profit from it. <laughs> but also, at the end of the day, you are a terrible parent. I don't like that. I hate that. I hate I hate when people post embarrassing things of their kids and not just like cute, like pictures or whatever oh shit what do you think okay 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 okay. am i insta famous or am i just a normal person posting this good question famous oh then you knew what would happen okay yeah see that's different that's that's different then i think you're a bad parent if you're a normal person then maybe it's like you're maybe you're kind of naive and you're just like oh this is funny like my friends and family will think this is hilarious in that case i think that absolves you but if you're insta famous, that's that's fucked up. Although I guess I've posted, yeah, hmm, something for me to be aware of. <laughs> moving, <laughs> moving forward. <laughs> well, anyway, the kid goes on to have a very successful, happy, rich life. But every time they poop, they start screaming. Oh my god, that's sad. Every single time, even like in a public restroom, you just yeah, hear someone so pooping, going, by ah, "My butt is on fire." <laughs> that's so sad it's really sad (laughs) okay our final game are they an alien or just rude like an alien from outer space Mm -hmm. in this scenario you are a rather famous influencer so you guys try to imagine that while at the mall a woman walks up to you and exclaims i know you you smile, assuming it's from social media. They mm. then announce that they met you in one of their lucid dreams and you are destined to be good friends. Oh, no. Uh, she then rattles off a bunch of personal details about mm. your life you supposedly told her in her dream. Is this person an alien or just rude? They don't have an Instagram or Twitter account, but they do have Facebook. They're an alien. Do they know me from Facebook? <laughs> Well, no, or from, they their know you from their lucid dream. Oh okay, no! Okay, hold on this, a second. This person's an alien, and I will follow anything that they say. I, I, they are now my god, and I will follow them anywhere. That's, That's the my right answer. answer. <laughs> oh, because Allison loves aliens. I love aliens, and I also just love people accepting that the world has suddenly changed very quickly. <laughs> So, okay, so hold on. So am I like a chosen one in any way or? No, Becca already won. The game's over. Come on. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can people follow you? They can follow me at Becca on Instagram, B-E-K-A-H. I bought that handle and I am so proud of it. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was a blast. Stick around after the break. We'll be talking all about OnlyFans. Welcome back to Just Between Us. It's time for Topic. 
X. X, 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 baby. Baby. Okay, so relevant hot topic, spicy topic. Caliente. Yeah. So we want to talk about OnlyFans. And let me start off with, with my rant. Okay. I do not like, and I've said this before on the podcast, I do not like when celebrities or non-sex workers use OnlyFans as a punchline, talk about it as if it's something they could do that is edgy. Can you explain a little bit more what OnlyFans is? Sure. So it's it's similar to a Patreon setup where people can pay for subscriptions and also can pay for different specific content from creators. It became very well known as a place for sex workers to sell their wares. Um, and you can subscribe to various like independent sex workers and directly pay for content from them rather than getting porn for free, which comes with some ethical quandaries um, because a lot of the places that post porn for free are taking it from uh, videos that you would normally have to pay for or re-uploading stuff um, that would normally be behind a paywall. And there's some people on those sites that are posting for free by themselves, like totally. But um, if you want to get paid for your sex work, OnlyFans is, is a better place to do that. And it's one of the only places that allows you to, right? So Patreon will kick you off. Um, Snapchat will Snapchat kick you off. Snapchat will kick you off. You know, uh, they shut certain, down Craigslist, right? They shut but, down Craigslist. Yeah. And even on Craigslist, you had to be a little uh, cagey about what you were a- asking for or doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those places routinely are shut down uh, because they don't want to deal with either like advertisers pulling out or uh, they don't want to deal with stigma or they don't want to deal with government regulation or whatever that is specific to sex workers, which is so unfortunate. But anyway, so OnlyFans is one of the only places that you can do that. Um, And so it's home to tons of independent sex work creators, tons of people who spend a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of money making good pornographic content or erotic content. And and building their fan base. Building their fan base. I mean, it's a whole thing. It wasn't mainstream. And then it became mainstream, almost to the point that Like, it's a punchline or people talk about it a lot or, like, you know, obviously, like, love Beyonce, but, like, she talks about OnlyFans in in one of her songs. And, like, the idea is that sex work is stigmatized and, like, is literally, like, life or death for some people. And I don't mean that in terms of danger, but I also mean that in terms of this is your income. Mm -hmm. And then it's, like, made mainstream by people who are using it to be edgy or sexy or whatever, where, like... You know, for instance, the actress Bella Thorne uh, created an OnlyFans and the bit is like, ooh, like this mainstream actress is making maybe like the titillating part is that she may uh, show a titty. No, she said she was going to like give a nude photo and then the photo was not nude. It was her in lingerie. And then it's so many people requested refunds because they'd been scammed out of their two hundred dollars. Right. That. OnlyFans, the company was like overwhelmed by all of these like requests for refunds that they ended up like changing all of these rules Mm -hmm. that now only negatively impact the sex workers who'd been on the platform this whole time because Bella Thorne came on for one day. Yeah, but I also think it's upsetting to see them selling the idea that you might see them naked or that you might like without without taking into account that like they won, they don't need that money. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, she made a million dollars in one day. Yeah. Two, they're taking money away from people who do need it. And three, I don't know if I'm expressing this correctly, but I hate the idea that this thing 
is now like considered an edgy or cool or sexy thing to do when legally there are no protections for sex workers, when when there are such uh, hard lifestyle repercussions for people who are outed as sex workers, like for someone to be like, ooh, I may or I may not, who can say, and like make money off that is feels really icky to me. Do you think though that there's any benefit from like, not people at like Bella Thorne's level, but, you know, maybe people like at our level or something where they are promoting their OnlyFans and they are, you know, posting nude content and they already have a fan base. Do you think that that helps normalize and destigmatize sex work in any way? Yeah. If you're actually delivering on the product, then -hmm. yes. But I also don't think you need to center yourself in that community or act like now you are an expert or you can speak on that or claim that identity in a way that like centers yourself like in the past I've done sex work and I would never then like think that that entitles me to publicity about that I wouldn't I I would never do that as like a like a publicity stunt or something like yes Mm -hmm. I was delivering on the goods like I wasn't like you might see a titty no I was like you'll see a titty and then (laughs) you saw a titty just just the one just one tit just the one but like (laughs) You know, there might be repercussions to that in the future. Who knows? I don't I don't know that my parents know that I was doing that. You know, there's like all kinds of stuff. What prompted you to, to start? Um, I I wanted another income stream that truthfully, like I felt that I could do from my house and like <laughs> didn't have to go anywhere. And I had a friend who was who made a big career and like my friend Bree Esrig, who like does a lot of that and is like super successful at it. Um, And so I was like, you know, I made some videos with her where I was like, this will be, you know, like split the money or whatever and give her sort of like some promotion, you know, uh, because Mm -hmm. that's her main, I think, form of income. And and it wasn't mine. But I just I just thought like I was like, I don't know, I'm curious. Let's give it a try, whatever. But I wouldn't then like hop on like a blog or Twitter and act like I'm an expert or act like I should be very famous for this. I don't know. I just. I didn't feel like I I had a place to speak in the community. Like, I don't know. I wouldn't profit off of it in that way, if that makes sense. Like, I wouldn't. I also feel like there's something problematic about celebrity women being like, oh, my God, the female body is so off limits and so sexualized and so secretive that if mm-hmm. I show you my boobs and that's wild. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's still, I mean, honestly, to me, it's like, get your money. But I just don't think. No, totally. But I just think that, like, I think that, like, in a way, even though they're acting like it's like, oh, I'm cool with this and that's why I'm doing it. It's still like a news story. It's still like, can you believe blah, blah, blah. Well, that's what I don't like. I don't like that it's using a platform that is literally the only place that sex workers can do this at this point, especially during COVID when all of it's gone online. Mm -hmm. Mostly. I don't like the idea of you trading on the idea that someone might see you do sex work versus like if you're not actually doing it and also like trading on the the cool factor of Mm -hmm. the name OnlyFans or like using or how scandalous it is. I think that's like leading into how that's better explaining what I meant, like that it's so scandalous for so and so to be topless. Right. Whereas like no, it's just the human body. Meanwhile, these other people have been like doing sex work for years. They're right. like better at it. They like yeah. have built a whole 
brand. They've built a whole look. They like know what they have a bunch of different content, you know, right, versus right. like, wow, can you believe I took my shirt off? Like, who cares? <laughs> no. And I, I, I understand like wanting to make money off that. But I do think that there are. But then you're taking that money away. From That's what I'm saying. Else. Right? You're taking that money away from everyone else. There is something to be said about like, well, like. You're not, you know, you're not taking money from someone else. Like someone could subscribe to both, but also like it's, that's not the purpose of OnlyFans. The purpose was not for you to, to, I don't know. I just, I, it just rubs me the wrong way. This using of even just the word OnlyFans to be interchangeable with celebrity showing a nipple. Mm -hmm. Like it's not like. These these people that are putting in the work to like make stuff it, and, and then they face consequences that like you're never going to face as like a right. famous person and you're able to like weigh the, you know, the abilities of like, well, is this going to affect me? Is it not? Am I using it to be edgy? But then like the sex worker who's like re regulated and and having like, you know, problems with like family finding out or whatever, they don't have that same edgy, cool, whatever. They have like a lot more what they're doing and yes. then like and and the payoff is more crucial yes like they need that you know like that's their form of income versus like if you're a celebrity and you do like one only fans post like the stakes are almost zero and the payoff is like just extra money for you to have that you don't need there's a way to do it i guess if you're truly trying to be in the community and you're truly mm -hmm. like going to put in the work and stuff but if you're just there as a tourist, it's like that sucks for the people mm -hmm. that are there the whole time. And it's also making OnlyFans change their policies yes. and become more mainstream. And like, who knows that this will then lead to like a year from now, sex workers aren't even allowed to use that platform. So right. That's, that's like, the, the huge thing. fear. Yeah. And that's why I never was like, you know, let me make this about me. I'm going to talk, a, you know, like I was just I didn't feel like. I didn't feel like I needed to leverage the fan base. I didn't feel like I needed to become like a, to a hot topic or like become a person who could speak on this as like an expert because I'm like not. And there are plenty of people who are putting in the work daily that you should absolutely talk to and center their stories. And like Bella Thorne was like, well, I want to make a movie about sex work. And it's like, that's great. Talk to a fucking sex worker. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not about you. Tamika, want to come on in and... Maybe not share your thoughts on this topic, but whatever topics you want to talk about. Yeah, I don't have much to say about this topic, but I'm still finding it funny that during the international question, we still have no idea how higher education works. And we didn't even realize our <laughs> advice might be super outdated until like, the end of the conversation. Yeah. yeah, it's still tricky adapting to a COVID world. But also, like, even it, it, you get to college and you don't know anyone and you might really latch on to your roommate. Like, you, you put up with maybe more than you should. And you can find other friends, although I guess you find them on Zoom in your classes and you say, hey, would you like to privately Zoom? And you try to not sound creepy while you say that. <laughs> <laughs> what did we rate this episode? I rate it six out of six T-shirts with Becca Martinez's face on them. Mm, very good. I will rate it seven out of five um unplanned pregnancies Ooh, okay Se only seven out of five that's high 
Oh, it's over. I thought five out of seven. And I was like, oh, that's kind of an usually we try to do above and beyond. But like, OK, <laughs> I rate it um, 10 out of 10 scripted fiction podcast series. Hey, Aww. thank you so much. Apocalypse Untreated out September 24th. Thank you so much to Becca Martinez for being our guest. Just Between Us is hosted by me, Allison Raskin. And me, Gabby Dunn. Our engineer is Brendan Burns. He also composed our killer theme music. Our producer is Tamika Weatherspoon. Our executive producers are Chris Bannon and Josephine Martirana. Just Between Us is a production of Stitcher. Stitcher.